Hi there! This is the PowerPoint Tribe, where our vibe is faith and our food is the Word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teachings of God's Word and the ministry of the Spirit. There was a massive massacre just to get you killed, but you made it down here. One piece. Nothing missing, nothing broken. And because you made it down here in one piece, we're confident that it does not matter what the devil does. It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter what he does. All hell may break loose. The devil may send his best weapons. He may send, he may send his best hitman. But they will miss target all the time. Hallelujah. Because no weapon formed, fashioned, orchestrated, targeted at us shall ever be able to prosper. Against all odds, you made it down here. That's our confidence that all things are also working together for our good. We know, we know that. Father, we give you praise. We give you honor. We give you adoration. Power, majesty, and praise be unto you. For you have overcome. Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you. For in Jesus' precious name we worship this morning. Can we rejoice and give a lot of big birthday shout? You didn't hear that. I said, can we rejoice and give the Lord a big birthday shout? <laughs> yeah! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Glory to God! Father, we give you praise. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Let's have our sit in God's presence. Amen. Thank you. Praise the name of the Lord. Welcome, your neighbor, to the church. Um, your neighbor to your right, to your left. Tell them Merry Christmas. It's not in advance. <laughs> Today is Christmas. What a day. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Are you excited? You should be more excited about the birth of Jesus than your birth. Amen. Amen. Because if he wasn't born, your birth wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> you should celebrate the birth of Jesus far more than you celebrate your birthday. Hallelujah. Because without the birth of Jesus, what's the point of you leaving? What's the point? So this is the birth of all births. Praise the name of the Lord. Celebrate you, Lord Jesus. You're so good. Thank you for making it down here. Against all odds. Have you ever tried to save a people or help someone and then they're trying to stop you from helping them? Like, people are about to destroy their lives and they're trying to save the day and then you put on your cloak and you're flying into the territory and you're trying to shake things up and get the bad guys beaten up and all. And then the people you're trying to save are resisting. They are the ones resisting. Not even the villains anymore. The people you're trying to save, if it were you, what were you going to do? Like, ah, 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 ah. See, see these people, though? People that are people trying to help and save. You're resisting me. You're likely going to down your tools at that point, right? Because you're like, come on. You should be thankful. You should be grateful that I showed up. Not resisting me, but he came onto his own and his own rejected him. That, that's how Jesus was treated. Even after 33 and a half years, they still couldn't get the message. They nailed him to the cross. Herod tried to kill him. The prophets tried to stone him. Some tried to push him off a cliff. 
That was Jesus, your lifeline, your, your last card. How, how could you be so blind? But well, that's what he endured. The Bible calls it the contradiction of sinners. Contradiction. People that needed saving were feeling like they were, they were fine. The contradiction of sinners. He endured it. Father, we give you praise. It's such an honor to represent him at any level. And so today, by God's grace, we'll be sharing again, you know, on the Christmas story. Father, in the name of Jesus, as I teach this morning, I ask that everyone is blessed, edified, strengthened, encouraged through the teaching of your word and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. May we not get familiar with the Christmas story. May our hearts be expanded to receive new revelation light from your word. In Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. Amen. Can you count the amount of Christmas messages you've heard in your lifetime? <laughs> Praise God. Every December, we go for carols, we go for services, and, you know, it's about the same old, same old, isn't it? You know, the Christmas story, Mary, did you know? <laughs> we had a version yesterday, uh, last week. I think that was a brilliant performance or ministration, I beg your pardon, by uh, Rosemary. Can we celebrate her once again? I think that particular piece, in terms of the song itself, is one of the best carols ever written. Very powerful. Very, very powerful. And, um, you know, it's, it's somewhere in my teaching today. Hallelujah. And so, the Christmas story has endured such a huge pressure of repetition. You know, it's a pressure for a lot of people to have to repeat yourself. You always want to come up with something new every time. But the Christmas story has endured 2,000 years of repetition. And it's not tired, praise God. Because every Sunday after Christmas, before Christmas, however the case is, each year. And on this year's occasion, of course, it's Christmas on a Sunday. Pastors all over the world try to unearth remarkable insights and revelation knowledge from the same story of Christmas. And I just want to encourage your heart this morning. This is not going to be something you've never heard before. Praise God. But let your excitement be just as though you are hearing it for the first time. I think that's the beauty of Christianity. You know, never getting familiar even though he's family. Do you see? Seeing him every day but never seeing him as common or mundane. Exalting him above measure. Because that's who he is. Praise God. Amen. So, it's a remarkable story that we will never tire in telling. We'll never get tired of saying it, of sharing that gospel, of sharing that beautiful story of Christmas. How God invaded earth through the portal of a woman's womb. You know, as I look at the tapestry of the Christmas story, the landscape, there is a particular marker there's a particular feature there's a particular narrative that catches my attention especially as i began to examine it again for this particular service you know uh it's it's about mary it's about mary the the mother of jesus it's incredible what this woman achieved really incredible if we really think about it if we think about who mary had to become it's incredible when we just think about it. You know, a lot of times we gloss through these narratives because we've heard them before. We get familiar. We're not seeing into the deep things. 
Because, well, it's Mary, the mother of God, that some people defy and worship. And today's service is not about trying to unearth, or should I say, do an expository on maybe why she's not deity, because she's not in that sense. She's an ordinary woman like you, because when you deify someone who is ordinary, you lose the desire to benchmark them. You can't benchmark deity. Praise God. It's the same reason why Jesus had to become a man. Because now that he's a man, you can benchmark him. Praise God. He became a man so that we could become gods. He didn't stay in that godly terrain and call us up yonder. We couldn't. We had no ladder. We had no link. He had to become a man, then become the link. So that we could become gods. And now we are gods. And children of the Most High. Praise the name of the Lord. Because he had to become a man first. So it's a more achievable feat to benchmark someone who is within your context of humanity. And so Mary was not extraordinary. She was not some superhuman woman. No, she was just an ordinary woman like anybody in this room, literally. She was just a random lady in Galilee. Praise God. Who had a boyfriend? Praise God. Just a normal woman. But it's incredible what she achieved. It's incredible. It's an impossible feat. <sighs> what kind of conversation do you think must have happened in Luke 1 with Gabriel? How does God convince you, a Niger babe? Because sometimes when we don't contextualize, we don't relate. We can't relate because we've not contextualized. A Niger babe who just finished university, who is trying to get a job, who is in a relationship, you know, who is still trying to sort her life out, whose father perhaps is a pastor, who has a reputation to protect. And then Gabriel is going to come to you and say, by the way, you have been favored of God for disaster. Because, oh yeah, that's the kind of favor. Because now you're going to be a massive global scandal. Your father is an eminent elder. But you're going to get pregnant. And if they ask you who is the father of this child, he has no name. He has no address. He's the Holy Ghost. <laughs> How? What kind of favor and blessing is this? Mary had to become a type of woman to become a recipient of that visitation. And we need to understand the implication of this visitation. By the way, six months prior, John the Baptist was conceived. Elizabeth is six months gone. And the prophecy that came at John the Baptist's conception was that he was going to be baptized from his mother's womb. So, God had no time. Because Jesus could not delay in being conceived. And there's some distance between Mary's location and Elizabeth's. Any time more than the time that Mary received the visitation of Gabriel, John the Baptist doesn't get baptized in the Holy Ghost. So, this is the most important assignment in all of human history. And there was no notice period. There was no clue, no inkling, no message sent ahead. The magnitude of the moment, the pressure of the moment, 
People talk about the pressure of taking a penalty at the World Cup finals. Amen. Such a moment. The pressure on your shoulders. The whole world is looking at you. Billions of eyeballs. What are you going to do? Miss the penalty or not? This is the one moment in all of human history. That if Mary does not receive that conception. She literally stood the chance of undoing everything that the scripture stood for. Because the scriptures could not be broken. If the angel had prophesied that. That boy was going to be baptized from his mother's womb. Jesus had better be conceived before he is born. God didn't have a, a lot of time on his hands. That day was the day Mary was hearing about it for the first time. And the most impossible assignment for a human being to carry out. Even Mary could not request for a bit of time to think about it and process it. There was no opportunity for a feedback can i feed you back later can i think about it a little bit more think about this look at the magnitude just a little bit of a task you tell them let, let me let me get back to you i'll get back to you next week i'll get back to you tomorrow gabriel does not have that time he already had a very not so nice conversation with zechariah in fact, I assume that he must have come in a bit more impressive persona and with a bit more protocol and security detail around him just to make it a bit more imposing. Because with Zechariah, how could you doubt this is Gabriel that stands in the very presence of God? You think I'll come here to, to chat with you, to gist with you? Who do you think you're talking with? And it got him gone. And so the next time I was going to go to anybody, I'm sure I must have gone with a sense of, are you about to doubt too? Let me... <laughs> So you, you get the level of, oh, this is the grandest assignment any human being will ever be saddled with. This is the most critical point in all of human history. And God made his entire agenda for the past 4,000 years rest on the response of a random, ordinary Jewish girl who was not even given heads up about this type of visitation. Can God make conclusions about your responses in advance? God must have done his research. He must have checked out the kind of woman she was. Can the burden of a race rest on you? Can, 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 I, can I take for granted positive feedback and the fact that she will not even need some timeline to get back to me with the level of urgency it was coming with why would God not even give any form of margin maybe there was a list of potential Marys on Gabriel's list maybe because if Mary had said no Gabriel would have gone ahead to go visit another Mary who would probably not be Mary may have been Holy Cynthia Mother of God. <laughs> Any Cynthia here? <laughs> Mary is Mary. There's no other way. But the agenda was far more important than Mary's little plans of putting up with a reputation that her father would be proud of and getting married at the time she had ordained and keeping with the reputation with her girls and getting a job with PWC and just living happily ever after. 
Huh? She had to become that kind of woman that could flow with the things of the Spirit with short notice. I mean, this is the grandest stage. The pressure doesn't get worse than this. It doesn't. No, the pressure doesn't get worse than this. This, you, you, you mess it up and humanity falls back to sin and hell. And you receive the gift of God. And you elevate the whole race to another dimension of glory. This moment of visitation. Who did Mary have to become? What did she have to become? Who, what kind of a woman did she have to be? To receive such a holy salutation and not freak out and drop dead. That's going to be our conversation today. That's what we're talking about. That's what, we're, that's what we want to just examine together. Because when it comes to the execution of the agenda of God upon the face of the earth, you are either a wall of resistance or a portal of access. Amen. There are no neutrals in execution. No neutrals. God has a plan. He has a purpose. He has something he wants to execute upon the face of the earth. And anything coming from God is grand. There are no small assignments that come from God. If it's coming from God, it's the biggest deal ever. And when it comes to whether or not that thing will be executed upon the face of the earth, there are only two postures to assume. You are either a wall of resistance or a portal of access. You can't be a fence because even a fence is a wall. You can't be a neutral Else, you are serving the other kingdom. And the, the, the thing about the pressure that comes from the agenda of God is that the force of the move of the Spirit is always going to be stronger than whatever resistance that your wall can bear. So, guess what? Even if you are against the plan of God, you will still be crashed down. You will still come crashing down because the pressure is always more. So, whether you are a wall or a portal of access, you will still give way. Only that the wall which was a fence, or which was a wall of resistance, whichever one you assumed as a posture, would have been crushed without its will. It becomes collateral damage. Mary obviously was a portal of access. She was the kind of person that God could meet up with in short notice, and she was not going to start giving debates and giving excuses and asking for timelines to get back to him. She was just going to flow with him because the Holy Ghost is like wind. You don't know where he's coming from. You can't plot the graph of his antecedents. Neither can you plot the graph of his trajectory or where he's heading to. You can only feel it while he is still around. Because if you dull him, he moves to another portal of access. So the question here today is, are you a wall of resistance or a portal of access? Ask your neighbor. A wall or a portal? How easy is it for God to get across his mandates through you without further ado? <laughs> what is the immigration protocol in your heart like when God wants to invade a heart or a heart how does he how long does he spend struggling with the gates of your heart to give way and part so that he can come in how much struggle does he have to undergo will you argue with him for the next two years will you argue with him for the next three months because if it takes you three months to come, to come in alignment with what God is trying to do. John the Baptist is already born. John the Baptist is not baptized. And all of scripture can crumble in that moment. Because it only takes one scripture to not be fulfilled. For all the scripture to not be fulfilled. It only takes one prophecy. It only takes one. 
Because every prophecy is a chain. The entire scripture is a chain of prophecies. One of them just needs to be missing for all the prophecies that were hanging on all the ones that had come before to be annulled. So this was literally the precipice of relevance as far as scripture is concerned. That means Mary single-handedly wielded the power to annul scripture. In that moment. Look at the attitude with which God told Gabriel. Look one. Was like, God, did you, did you speak with Mary before? And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin. In the sixth month, the moment it was six months post John the Baptist, that was the trigger. And then God sent Gabriel, go to Galilee. You will find a virgin, espouse to a man from David. And speak, speak unto her after this wise. And then, of course, Gabriel started speaking unto Mary. And the things that Mary did, I, 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 I don't, I can't relate with it. It's too massive. We, we all need to become that Mary. That's, the title of my teaching today is Ordinary Mary. Ordinary Mary. Ordinary in the OR sense of the word. In the sense that she was just a random person just like you. But the things she did were so awe-inspiring. And that's to tell us that we also can become that. We can become that because you don't need to be super normal to do what Mary did. She was just a random Jewish girl who was probably just getting back from the market or fetching water. And then Gabriel showed up in her room and had this conversation. And maybe 10 minutes later, she conceived. 10 minutes later, she had Jesus in her womb. How? How does that happen? Such... Such life-altering. People have sometimes nine months. People have sometimes five years to plan for a child. People have years to plan for a child. And even when the child comes, they are still not ready. You learned you were going to be pregnant five minutes ago. You are pregnant now, already. How does that even happen? What kind of a woman does she have to be? To be able to receive this grade of assignment. Without even flinching. That's, that's my consideration. What kind of a woman is Mary? Because I learned three things from Mary. As I began to read this passage of scripture. The first thing I learned about Mary. Is that she was not faced by the presence of divinity. She didn't feel overwhelmed by the presence of a supernormal entity. She's not afraid to be in the presence of royalties, dignitaries or divinity. It's a conversation. Let's have it. It's all right. She took it in her stride and, and didn't faint. Pass out. Many of us would have passed out like, who am I? She held it together. She held her nerves. She had a conversation with Gabriel. Gabriel. Not him. Gabriel. <laughs> Praise God. She had that conversation Praise God. And that was such a huge bet, you know. What kind of a person do you need to be in order for God to find you a worthy vessel to carry heaven's grandest assignment? 
What kind of a person do you need to be for God to conclude on your response in advance? What kind of a person do you need to be for God to say, don't worry, go and meet him. I've not spoken to him about what you are going to tell him, but I know what he will say. What kind of a person do you need to be for God to be able to assume and never really be assuming? Because he knows that's exactly what you will do. What kind of a person do you need to be? For you not to have any form of premonition, inkling, clue, or cue. Yet the biggest request of all time had no timeline for the receiver to think about it before giving that feedback. What kind of a person do you need to be to be deemed worthy to receive the brief of the greatest assignment in your generation? What special thing is there that must be about you? What are the awe-inspiring qualities an ordinary person like you must possess? Amen. The first thing is this. Don't be faced. Don't be faced. That's the first thing you need to understand. Hallelujah. Listen. God cannot give you an assignment that is higher than your capacity to tame. Are you with me? God cannot give you an assignment that is higher than your capacity to tame. This is Mary. We sing the song, Mary, did you know? Yes, she knew every ounce of the magnitude of what she was conceiving. Yes, yet she held it all together and could command him even after he was born. This is God she was commanding. This is God that she told that you will now be subject to me and your father for the next 30 years. This is God. And Mary knew all along that this is God. What kind of person do you need to be to be able to put under that which God has placed you over? Because guess what? If you are not at a level that is at least higher than the capacity of the assignment, you cannot handle that assignment. The assignment would overwhelm you. You will pander to Jesus' emotions and feelings. He wants to stay in the synagogue. Let him stay. He wants to turn what I to wine at 18 years old. Let him turn it already. Uh, he's God. Oh, you can't. Uh, you can't. Uh, please, oh. Don't tell God what to do. This is God. Hey, this is Jesus that needed growth. Luke 2.52, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. So at 12, there was a deficiency of wisdom in his life. At 30, the fullness of that wisdom had come to bear. It was massive. The expression of the maturity of his wisdom it was, it was there for everyone to see. And Mary knew when to switch. At some point, she was the one giving the orders. Later on, she became the one who was telling everybody, whatever he tells you to do, you just do it because he's the commander of the universe. But there was a time she was the one that wielded him and tamed him. What kind of a person do you need to be to be able to handle the kind of assignment God is bringing your way? You cannot be at a level lower than the quality and the capacity of that assignment. You at least need to match or be above it. So the reason why God has not been bringing some things your way is because when he brings it your way, you'll be overwhelmed. You'll pass out. You'll faint. Hey, this is too much. I can't be in this room. Ah, this, uh, the glory is too much. And you would evict yourself from the room that God ordained for you to stay in. Because you can't handle the birth of Jesus. She carried him in her womb for nine months. A foretaste, just like Minister Jala said earlier. A foretaste of what we were going to experience. She did literally what we're going to do in a spiritual sense. She carried Jesus within her members. Carried him in a biological, literal sense. She carried Jesus. And she didn't crumble under the weight. You carry Jesus right now. You carry Jesus. The Holy Ghost is right inside of you. That's who you are. 
Christ in you, the hope of glory. Don't be faced. Divinity is speaking with you. Enter into character. Praise the name of the Lord. Gabriel spoke to Zechariah. It was not the same experience. Zechariah was obviously faced. Of course, she was afraid at some point. She was troubled about the manner of salutation. And the moment the word of God came to her, she entered character. All right, let's talk about this. Don't be faced. Mary wasn't faced by the magnitude of the assignment brought to her doorstep. The salutation, the dramatic angelic manifestations, the global acclaim, the divine urgency. This was the atmosphere of the moment of the visit. Natural reactions would have been to freak out or even drop dead. You know, Gab already had a not so exciting experience with Zechariah. And if he came as a casual angel with no extra paraphernalia the last time, seeing that he had to reiterate his hierarchical standing before Zechariah, perhaps because he didn't look like it. This time, I'm sure, he looked more assured, impressive, and unmistakable. This is the angel that stands in the very presence of God. Yet, Mary was not destabilized by the angel's presence. There's a level of assured composure that you must be able to garner in the presence of divinity, royalty, or dignitaries. Mary took the conversation in a stride. This tendency was what made it possible for her to maintain authority over Jesus in spite of her absolute knowledge of his divinity. How, no matter how massive something is, can you handle it? We are the kind of person that over magnifies assignments above your own capacity. This is the biggest deal in the world. You're going to mother Jesus. You're going to be the mother of Jesus. The mother of Jesus. Yet, you're going to instruct Jesus and tell him what to do. Tell him when to sleep. Tell him what kind of diet is good for him. Tell him when to stop playing with his friends and come inside. Because Jesus grew. Adam did not grow. See what it has brought us into. He, he, he just came fully formed, mature. So Jesus, God didn't take the same bet with Jesus. He said, let him start from, uh, let him start from day one. And Bible says he grew in wisdom and in stature. If he grew in wisdom, that means the wisdom he had at 12 was not the same wisdom he had at 15. He grew. That means God looked at Mary and Joseph, saw that their level of wisdom could compensate for his lack of it for the first 30 years. And that was how God maintained a level of stability for Jesus. Because had it not been for their grace and their authority and their wisdom, he may have missed it. This is what happens to sometimes budding ministers and prophets at 11 is already prophesying. And then their caregivers and guardians begin to take them for crusades and ministrations and say, start prophesying. And then they get, of course, they're going to get misled. Of course, it's going to get into their heads. Of course, they will, they will not even last more than five years on that platform. Because you expose them too soon. The presence of an anointing is not proof that it is ready. No, that Jesus is anointed does not mean he needs to start instructing the scribes. He needs to listen to the scribes. He needs to pay attention. He needs to ask questions, even though everything in their Torah was written about him. Even though everything in their own Torah was written about him, yet he goes to the synagogue and he's asking questions. He say, explain to me. Eliami, explain. Let me understand. What is in this thing? He grew in wisdom. A growing wisdom. 
no matter how anointed the potential of a thing is, no matter how powerful the potential of a thing is, at some point you will need to tame it. Tame it. That tongue, tame it. That talent, tame it. Put it under subjection. Submit it to someone. Don't go along and say, oh well, the anointing is sufficient. No! Jesus needed tutors and governors. You will not be an exception. He needed tutors and governors. Not for two years. 30. Let that sink. Let that sink. 30 years being under tutors and governors. Learning. Mastering. Submitting. Saying yes, sir. Saying yes, ma. Saying that's okay. I'll get it done. No problem, sir. That's Jesus. That's your Jesus. The savior of the world. The master of the universe. Mary spoke and she, he said yes, sir. Whenever Mary spoke, it was law. The attitude changed at, Can, at Cana of Galilee. <laughs> because Mary came and said, uh, these people need stuff. I, I know you have, you have this power. <laughs> and Jesus looked at, him, looked, looked at her and said, woman, what have I to do? <laughs> the attitude had changed. She noticed the transition had changed and she moved again. She became a subordinate again. She became the one that received instructions from her son who is now in the fullest expression of God. She knew when to drift, when to transition. What kind of a person is Mary? We need to study her. I'm not, I'm not surprised some people have defied her. This woman is not normal. She's ordinary. But boy, the things she did. An angel is talking to you. Five minutes ago, you were just a random girl who had a plan for your life. Five minutes later, you are pregnant with the God of the universe. And he had better not be aborted. He had, he had better not be aborted. I wonder if, if God comes to Nigeria today and he has the same profile of requirements. A virgin espoused to a man from David. How many will he find? Good for thought. Selah. I'm not asking for your response. Selah. Praise the name of the Lord. Some people cannot handle big conversations. And that's, and that's God's word to you today. When you step into a big room, become as big as the room. Don't get into a room that you say, oh, he's, he's above my level. You have just excluded yourself from that commonwealth. Get into that space and act like it. Talk like it. Think like it. Have conversations with Gabriel that Zechariah, who had been a priest for years, could not handle. Zechariah. Do you know how many years he had been a priest from the tribe of Aaron? This guy knew it. He was, he was master at serving God. Yet a random Jewish lady trumped him at having conversations at a high level. Zechariah could not handle it. Zechariah could not. Yet Mary stood her ground. The pressure was much. But she stood there and received it all. And in that moment she conceived. In that moment. Because her capacity was stronger than whatever was coming her way. Who do you need to become to attract all that you have been praying to attract? Maybe the real prayer is not God give me. Maybe the prayer is God increase my capacity. Maybe the real prayer is God increase my capacity. Because once your capacity increases, whatever is consistent with that capacity will start looking for you. The conversations that need to start coming at your doorstep will come looking for you. What kind of person do you have to become? Amen. Hallelujah.
Jesus could not be born to anyone who was going to be overwhelmed by the magnitude of the person of Jesus while disregarding his need for evolution and growth. Jesus had to grow. It means between the ages of 30 and 33, Jesus had gotten to the finest expression of wisdom of God upon his life. He wasn't so wise at 12. So he needed the wisdom and authority of Mary and Joseph to compensate for his lack of wisdom at that age. Jesus was not too big for them to tame. I use the word carefully, tame. Any assignment, no matter the magnitude, that you cannot tame will avoid you. It means you will only handle assignments at a lower level of concentration relative to your capacity. The moment God places an assignment that you are too in or off on you, you are far more likely to mishandle it. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When an assignment comes, don't get too in awe of it. Tame it. If your name is written on it, act like the boss. Stop acting like, oh, I, I can't handle this. This is too much. And this happens a lot of times when we're calling people into assignments in the church, for example. Hey, it's too big. I can't handle it. Oh, how am I going to do it? God has called you. And that leads me to the next question. Stop debating credibility and worthiness. Start talking strategy. Bringing the details of your past that you assume God is not privy to already. And saying, maybe you didn't consider this factor before that. You see, I'm small. I can't really speak. I, I don't have the best of histories. You know, so maybe if you did your research well, you wouldn't have been coming my direction because I'm not the best candidate for this. Stop discussing credibility, worthiness. It's an insult to God's approach. If God came to you, do you know, you are just one out of the billions of who you could have come to. If he came to you, receive it by faith. He knows what he's doing. Rather than delay the conversation of strategy and start talking about credibility. Who am I? What have I done? And why me? Am I the only one? And all those kind of questions that, you know, that just magnify your unbelief and doubt. How about you start talking about strategy? Because the question that Mary asked was not a question that showed that she lacked faith in God's opinion of her worthiness. It was a question of strategy. How shall these things be? I'm no longer debating why should I be the one to carry this boy or this child. How am I going to get it done? I'm talking strategy now. Because for as long as you talk about credibility and worthiness, you are delaying the conversation of strategy. Because every conversation that God has with man regarding the execution of his will of, upon the face of the earth, these two steps must be accomplished. First, why am I talking to you? Credibility, worthiness. Why are you the one? Second one is strategy. How do we get this job done? In two minutes, Mary had dealt with the issue of credibility and worthiness. Yes, I'm the mother of Jesus. Yes, that's it. That's who I am. She entered into character and she began to talk strategy. How are we going to get this done? So there are some dreams that God has placed in your heart. Perhaps you even dreamt literally about them. Perhaps it came into your imagination and you thought about the possibility of achieving something. And then you keep thinking, how, how can I? Who am I? And you're thinking like Gideon, thinking like Saul. I'm the least of the least of the least of the tribe. And the more you talk like that, the less time God has to discuss strategy. Because what he's supposed to be discussing with you is strategy. How shall these things be? It's not why should you be the one to get these things done. It is how shall these things be? Start discussing strategy. Whatever comes into your heart, come to your heart for a reason. Stop asking God, why me? Why, why not? So who, who should it be? It's an insult to God to question his approach to you. He didn't think it well. He must not be thinking straight. Maybe the other information is not privy to. 
that he needed coming to you for you to bring it to the fore of his mind and then realize, oh, that's true. Ah, do you have any other friend, any referral? Just help your boy here. No, no, that's almost how we expect God to react. Like, oh, 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 you used to be a harlot. Oh, sorry, I didn't notice. Really? Oh, I, <laughs> you didn't finish with the best of grades in the university. You can't lead a company now. Abba, you lead a company. After seven extra years, uh-uh, you can't now. It's not your type. Quite literally, the person I worked with in Abuja, he, he just wrote a book, Timeless. He had seven years. No kidding. Extra. Seven. Now, <laughs> what God has used him to do, it's incredible. Just incredible. Instead of to start talking strategy, you are still debating worthiness. Why am I the one that you have chosen? Why not you? That makes the story sweeter, isn't it? That, that makes my godness accentuated. If I chose someone who was already credible, worthy, and looking like it, what much accolades will come my way? I have to get all the glory. That's who I am. I simply get all the glory. So I look for people who do not look like it. The ignoble, the foolish things of this world, the weak things of this world. Those are the things that I use to confound the wise and the noble and the powerful and the mighty. So that no flesh will glory in his strength but in my glory glory in my power glory in the fact that God made me who I am praise the name of the Lord so there are conversations that God will start having with you especially as we go into the next year perhaps he's even started having them with you from before this year started but it has taken this long in terms of execution because you've been debating credibility and worthiness. You look at all the people that are doing the job and you're like, these guys have it all together. They went to Harvard. They went to MIT. Where did I go to? Eh? Let me not mention some universities. And then you, you look at all of those things and you're like, I can't do this. And then you discount the coming of the word to you. Do you know what it means for God's word to come to you? That is your credibility. The word of God coming to you is your legitimacy. That is what makes you worthy. That the word of God came to me. It didn't come to any other person. It came to me. If it came to me, I'm not going to reroute the word. I'm not going to let the word bounce. I'm going to receive it. I'm going to get comfortable with the word. Amen? Stop debating legitimacy, credibility, and worthiness. Start discussing strategy. How shall these things be? Who do I need to connect with? Oh, Elizabeth, fantastic. I'll be on my way now. And, you know, it's that level of strategic thought and conversation God is excited about. How shall these things be? I do not know a child. Or I, I do not know a man. And that leads me to the last feature that we see in Mary. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. I feel somebody needs to hear this. Stop debating legitimacy, worthiness, and credibility. Discuss strategy. If that thought came to your heart, the word of God has come to you. 
It doesn't matter your history. It doesn't matter your past. It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. That virginity you see in Mary is purity of heart. And purity talks about the ease with which the power can be transmitted. When a metal is pure, it's because the impurities are gone and then electricity that comes in is the same electricity that is produced at the other end of the wire. So it is not affected by impurities. So the purity there is talking about to what degree would you affect the concentration of power, grace, anointing that God is trying to pass across through you to the world. Will you step it down to your level of dysfunctional thinking? Or will you allow it to maintain its grade of godlikeness? Will the child you give birth to become a Razak? Or will this stay Jesus? Amen. That will you be able to conceive, sustain, and deliver Jesus intact? No, no infiltration of any other source of power. No bringing it down to earthly coefficients. That is the purity we're talking about here. That's the purity we're talking about here. Would you be a virgin who is espoused to a man of David? Hallelujah. I think it was two Christmases ago that we discussed about how, what it means for you to be espoused to a man from the tribe of David. You need to listen to that. Because what we see in Mary, God looked first to Joseph before he touched Mary. It was not Mary to Joseph, it was Joseph to Mary. Mary was not from the tribe of Judah. That disqualified her. If she was the virgin from now till tomorrow, God will never come to someone outside of the tribe of Judah. So it was Joseph that contributed the Judah component, the Judah factor. Do you see? So she was from the tribe of Aaron because Elizabeth was her cousin. So they were from that Aaronic priesthood order. But Joseph was the one that came from the tribe of Judah. So it was from Judah to Mary. So which man from Judah has a virgin babe? That was the protocol. It was not which virgin. Do you understand? Let's, let's, let's read how it reads. Let's read how it reads, okay? You see the priority of scripture, the way it was. It says, To a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph. The first identity we see here is Joseph. Of the house of David. That's the reason why she's the one I'm coming to. The virgin's name is Mary. It could have been any other name. Praise the name of the Lord. So your virginity is secondary. Your connection with grace is the most important thing. Your connection with Christ, because Christ is from the house of David. The church, the things of God, those are the things that qualify your purity of heart to even make sense in the first place. Amen. So go listen to that teaching and I believe the Lord will expand it in your heart. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. The less credibility God needs to discuss, the more strategy he can discuss with you. Mary already accepted the fact that she had been chosen and favored to do this. Her question simply revealed her need for strategy. The reason why a number of things are stalled in your life is because when God expects you to discuss strategy, you're busy discussing why me, do you know who I've, who I've been with, what I've done. Uh, of all the people in this world, you chose me, why? Those are not the questions to ask God. The question is intelligence. The question is wisdom. Just, just 
Step into that character and move on. Praise God. Now, the, the last thing about Mary, which I think deserves spotlighting, is the fact that she got ready to be overshadowed. Hallelujah. Look at the strategy. Let's read it together. This is the strategy for birthing Jesus. Of course, now she's accepted the fact that she will conceive Jesus because Gabriel <laughs> made it very clear. Let's read the entire scriptural passage. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou art found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then Mary said unto the angel, How shall these things be? Strategy, straight thing that I know not a man, and this is the response to the question of strategy. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Let's read that again. And the angel said unto her and said, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. And the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Praise the name of the Lord. You've got to get ready to be overshadowed. You know what it means to be overshadowed? For something to overshadow means for it to tower above so that it can cast a shadow over. That is what it means for something to overshadow something else. To tower above to the extent that it casts a shadow over that which it has now overshadowed. Praise the name of the Lord. And of course, in a bit more idealistic sense of the word, when you're discussing things or you're, you're in a room, somebody is trying to feel important more and relative to somebody else, you say his speech overshadowed her speech, right? You say his presence overshadowed the presence of other people. Because when it comes to being overshadowed, it means the one who has now overshadowed is more important. Amen. Is more important. And it reminded me of Psalms 91 that talks about how that day that dwell in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The secret of protection is to make God more important. That's the secret of protection. The secret of sustaining the birth of Jesus is to get ready to be overshadowed. And in your job, who made that decision? As far as you, you are getting married to is concerned, whose decision was it? Was it your decision? That is when I look at your life and every area of your life. Have you overshadowed the Holy Ghost? Or it's still the Holy Ghost that is overshadowing you? I, I only want to be overshadowed by the Holy Ghost. I don't ever want there to be a part of my life that is being overshadowed. That my own person, my own preferences, my own desires, my own will is overshadowing the nudgings of the Holy Ghost. That country you want to travel to, who is making that decision? That person you want to marry, that job you want to accept, that church you want to attend, that which you want to do, is it a decision that we can say fully that this was a decision overshadowed by the Holy Ghost? 
Praise the name of the Lord. Because to overshadow means to tower above until you cast a shadow over. Bible says she was ready to be overshadowed. That's the strategy to all the giftings and all the plans and all the purposes and all the goals and all the things that God wants you to execute upon the face of the earth. His strategy is the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the strategy for all the things that God ever wants to do on the face of the earth. He's the strategy. The Holy Ghost is the strategy. Praise the name of the Lord. Your relationship with the Holy Ghost is what will guarantee the success of that dream. It is what will guarantee the success of that project, that ambition, that which you want to achieve. It is your alignment with the Holy Ghost and your willingness to allow Him overshadow you. It says the power of the Most High shall come upon thee and the Holy Ghost shall overshadow you. Because when you are overshadowed, you cannot be penetrated. When you are overshadowed by the Holy Ghost, nothing can harm you. Nothing can penetrate you. And so Herod wanted to kill Jesus, but she had been overshadowed. She had been overshadowed. There was no way Herod was going to get through to Jesus. There was no way. And every other person that God raised as an army to shield Jesus. Amen. Such an honor. These guys probably lived a far more purposeful life than several other people who lived 90 years, 100 years and above. These guys were just a few days old. Praise the name of the Lord. Yet they lived a far more purposeful life in seven as a shield for the king of glory. Because when Herod killed them, he assumed that Jesus must have died too. Amen. And that was their purpose. To shield. So as God was raising Jesus, he raised an army to protect him. Hallelujah. Jesus cannot be killed. Because Mary had been overshadowed. So my question to you is that when I look at your life, am I seeing an overshadowed life? Or a life that you still have a lot of says and ways in your life? When I look at each area of your life, what are the things that God alone did? How many of your plans has he torn apart? Amen. Because some of you take joy in having planned five years in advance and hitting it. It's a failure. So I planned that by this time I'll be here. Who told you? You planned it, you executed it, and you are happy. The sign that indeed you will birth Christ is that yesterday you were just a child living your life, about to get married to a fine boy in Joseph, and today there's a scandal about you in town that you're pregnant and we don't know who the father is. That's the kind of woman you need to become. Sorry to break the news to you. I remember when, of course, you must have heard this before, I wanted to travel and that was my goal. Before then, it was to become Chasoludo. Even though now, I already think, looking at, you know, what has happened in the past few months, I won't be so excited about that prospect. <laughs> but back then, it was to become Charles Soludo, to become the youngest CBN governor in Nigeria. You know, that, that was my goal. That was my ambition. That was what I really wanted to do. In fact, because of that, when others of my kind of students were going to science class, those that had, I think, about five A's in junior work all went to the science class, right? I don't know if that's what happened when you were also there. But, you know, back then, if you had maybe even four C's, I mean, four A's, th from three A's, four A's, five A's, and above, you went to science class. Me, I wanted to become the CBN governor, so I, I wanted to go to read economics. So because of that, I said, commercial class would be the best for me. So I went with my eight A's and four C's, I went to a commercial class, and I was the local champion. 
And I said, yes, I, I must be Charles Soludo. Until I, I attempted to enter the university. And then I had, I had economics using the pre-degree route after spending a whole year at pre-degree. And I had estate management the second time I wrote Jam. Because the first time I wrote Jam, I wanted to go to Unilag because of a lady that we had planned we were going to meet in Unilag. But the Lord... What did Paul say about... <laughs> the Lord resisted me, right? And so he routed me back to OU because that was where my wife was. Amen. Anyways, so... <laughs> praise God. So this was 2007 thereabout. It was all about being an economist. So I went to pre-degree, did a whole year stuff, became was maybe top three or so thereabouts, all right, in that particular classification of social sciences, so that I could have the cutoff mark, so that I could have economics, which was my first choice, so that I could become perhaps, you know, Charles Soludo 2.0, praise God. And of course, I was definitely, if I had gotten into economics, I, would, I was definitely going to make my entire university life about reading and finishing the first class so that I could go for master's immediately and my PhD immediately and all of those things. Praise God. And that was my plan. Then, you know, Nigeria did not happen to me. It was God that happened to me. And so Jam gave me estate management, pre-degree I had economics, and I wanted economics. And it was crazy because I went into school, I had double admission. It was there, double admission. And then the day that those with double admission were supposed to come to school to choose the one they wanted between the two courses that they legitimately had. I was feeling myself like, all of you are not struggling. I had double admission, so there's no need to be struggling up and running to the you know, admin offices and all of that. Apparently, because there was a lot of traffic on the portal, you know, it's always very difficult to get you know, access to the portal. A lot of people are trying to get... So um, I, I just, I didn't see the info until it was already late. So I saw it 24 hours after the due date. By the time I saw it, I went back. I said, you guys must be, you guys want me. Are you guys, are you guys wanting me? I went to pre-degree, studied a whole year to get this course that I've always wanted six years ago. Remember, this is not something I, I just came up with one year ago. This was my life's dream. To go to university, study economics, finish immediately, go for my master's, finish my PhD, in seven years become a doctor. And you guys are telling me, I, I, I will not enter economics. I saw everybody that needed to be seen. Because this was not me trying to lobby for that course. This was not me trying to, because right in my presence, people with 201, they were entering the economics department. Right in my presence. They were there. They were just entering. I, I mean, I can stop mentioning names. <laughs> Not the names of who that I entered, but the people that I saw. So, of course, it's, I won't think that's too sensitive an information to share. So, I, I saw the professor, the dean in charge of social sciences, Professor Aloba. I saw the dean in charge of EDM, which was the faculty that I'd now been sent into from the JAM route, estate management, which was what, what I graduated with, by the way. I've gone to the end of the story, but you get the gist. So, um, EDM, Professor Akinsoya, I was at um, the... Um, the office of the admissions officer, Mr. Kende at the time. I went, to, um, I went to bring back my mom's uncle from retirement, Professor Bade Ajuwon. And then we, I mean, then I saw um, the dean faculty of, the dean of deans, it was the, fac, it was the dean faculty of education at the time. Professor Alao was his name. I saw, I didn't see any HOD. That's, that's not there. I went to deans. And then together we went to Professor Michael Faborodi which was the, the, the 
see at the time. My mom and I went, I mean, she stayed a long time during that admission process and saga. And we went to see Professor Michael Faberode together. And Professor Michael Faberode wrote in his, in his card and said, Hey, um, Mr. Deyakun, by the way, is the head of computer at the time, was the head of computer at the time. So he wrote a note to Mr. Deyakun and said, If this young man legitimately got, you know, admission into the Department of Economics, please grant him his admission and adjust the computer or whatever it is and give him that instruction. And then, of course, I received the token of, uh, that's the authority now, but I received my evidence of good things to come. So I was already excited. I had not gone to Mr. Deacon, but I was already super excited. So I went to Mr. Deacon with the assurance of faith that I've gotten the highest form of legal tender as far as this school campus is concerned. And now you're going to give him my economics. And I went there and he said, he does not care what the professor said. He does not care what the VC, he said it to my face. And in my presence, people will enter like this. I was like, who else can I escalate to? There was nobody. So Ludo. <laughs> there was nobody. And it was not becoming that the guy that had double admission was probably going to forfeit both. Because all my mates were already registering in their departments. And this was the boy that had double admission, economics and estate management. Now quarter to having none of them. So I was forced to go to estate management grudgingly. I was the saddest <laughs> student on campus registering for estate management. I didn't even know that name existed until a year before when they came to educate us at pre-degree that, oh, there's a course called estate manager. Who cares? Economics, please. And that was the course that I was now sentenced to for the next five years. I didn't realize that the reason why God stood against my desire to go for economics was because of what I'm doing today right now. Because if I had not spent five years on campus, I would never have become pastor of Castle. Never. And if I had spent four years on campus studying economics, I would have graduated very early, 2011 or 2012. I won't tell you when I eventually graduated, by the way, because uh, OAU happened, extra year happened. All those things happened, but in, in all, I know I'm here today because of that detour. Because God tore my script. God tore my goals. He said, this thing you want to have, this life you want to live, this life that you want to be soft, you are favored and you are blessed. That's why it will not be that soft. Yeah. And God told the plan. Imagine what Mary would have had to say to his or her friends that asked her, what were your plans last week? What she would have to say to them next week after that visit with Gabriel? How, how diametrically opposed the plans would have been. In one moment, you are just living your life, no threat of anything. Now you are pregnant, you have to run for your life because Herod is about to kill him. How, how does your life change so dramatically and you allowed it? That's, that's who Mary had to become. And so for you all with nice little pretty plans tucked into your wardrobes, and as you are achieving all, all those milestones, you, you check, you check. You say, ah, I'm achieving them. And God is like, when you're ready for a conversation, come and meet me. Because it's very likely to tear it up. But if he would embrace his plans for you, you won't even notice that you had achieved everything you had written down. When you will. You won't even notice. Because do you know what it means to birth Jesus? Like this is this is this is Jesus Christ. 
They're going to burst. And for you to burst anything of that same grade, this is the protocol you have to undergo. You must become an ordinary Mary. You must be the kind of person that is willing to jettison her own plans and purposes to embrace a higher call. You must be willing to become overshadowed. That I'll look at you, I can't even see you again. This shoe is not me. This house is not me. This children is not me. The Holy Ghost has overshadowed me. I'm not the one even making the decisions anymore. He has towered above to the extent that he has cast a shadow over me. I'm not looking for how to be seen and how to take credit for everything that God has been able to do through me. He did everything. Because I was willing to be overshadowed. Many of us want credit. That's why God is not using us so much. We want to be the ones to be responsible for the things we've been able to achieve. That's why. We want to become what we want to become. I said it in my heart and I achieved it. That's not an achievement to God. God is not a motivational speaker. He's not trying to aspire you so that you can maguire. That's not his purpose. No, that's not what God is trying to do. He wants to use you for his own purpose. That's what he wants to do. He won't, he won't get himself used of you for your own purpose. He wants to use you for his purpose. And trust me, his purpose is far greater. Look at what John the Baptist said. I said, I must decrease for him to increase. We decrease at his expense. That is the protocol of faith. You continue to decrease. And the more you decrease, he continues to increase. And he continues to overshadow you. And the more he overshadows you, the more you abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Then you can see of the Lord that he's your rock and he's your shield and he's your defense. Praise the name of the Lord. What's the first quality that we must find in you? Don't be faced. Tough conversations. High level conversations. They want to make you a part owner of a company. Negotiate. Yes. Don't run out of the rules. Hey, who am I? Oh, no. Be comfortable there. If they called you, there's a reason why you're in that room. Negotiate. Talk about it like you're supposed to be there. You don't need to have all the experience in the world. Zechariah made a mess of the conversation with Gabriel. A woman who has was probably never even been to the holiest of all handled it with grace. Zechariah couldn't handle it. He became a wall of resistance, so God crushed him and said, keep quiet. You will spoil this work. And I learned something there as well because thank God for Elizabeth's faith. Zechariah could have entirely finished the whole thing. Because God needed the permission. Elizabeth was sufficient. Because if Zechariah was the only dependency, nothing would have happened though. So God ensured that his influence was stalled and diminished. Made him dumb for a season. Until he learns to align with what God called that child. And then his mouth opened. Praise the name of the Lord. So Elizabeth is six months pregnant. You cannot stall on what God is asking you to do. There are some things he wants you to start next month. Next year. Next day. Because God is not waiting for you to conceive. Once you receive it, you have conceived. There is no time gap. Once you say, be it unto me according to, your, to thy word, you have conceived already. You are now pregnant with Jesus. That's what it means. The moment you accept it in your heart, you have become a carrier of divinity. So that dream, that vision can come to pass if you will accept it. Don't be faced. Don't pass out because an angel visited you. They are supposed to serve you. Don't be over awed by the presence of an angel. Their impressiveness is to serve. It's not to excite you or make you pass out and say, look at my wings. Touch them. Touch them. See. No. 
It's so that if you need to move from Asia to Turkey or from, you are, you are moving because the Holy Ghost is carrying you through the wings of angels. So that if there, are, if, there are, if there are fights to be fought in the constellations, they can move there at the speed of light. In three minutes, angels were already with Daniel from heaven. The distance is not from here to Kotonou. Heavens. And in three minutes, an angel was already touching down on earth. Talking about speed and mastery. So their impressiveness is not to intimidate. It's to serve you. Are they not what ministering spirits sent forth to minister to them who are called the heirs of salvation? So if you are a heir of salvation, angels are there at your beck and call. Not for you to disrespect them or, or, or talk down on them, but for you to understand where you sit in the hierarchy. They are there to serve you. And so when angel is talking to you, when Gabriel is talking to you, you don't act like you're not supposed to be in that conversation. You have that conversation. You talk. Because if you, if you attempt to worship an angel, the angel is going to resist you and say, no, no, don't do that. I, I don't receive worship. I'm an angel. Don't turn me into Lucifer. Praise God. You worship God only. So when angels come, don't be faced. When big, massive packages come in this next year, don't get overwhelmed. Because the moment you get overwhelmed, you become smaller than the assignment. Amen. Father, we give you praise. We thank you, Father, because today we have received instruction in righteousness. We received faith to receive all that is coming our way. Not just for this year, not just for this Christmas, but for the next season of our lives. For the next dispensation, for what you have in mind for us to achieve in this next season. We ask that we will not be faced by the magnitude of the assignment that would crumble like pack of cards under the weight of the, of the pressure. No. We will stand tall in our assignment and receive with grace and apostleship that which you have brought our way. Lord, we ask that we receive grace not to exalt our understanding of our past above your approach to us. We will not debate credibility, legitimacy, worthiness. We will go straight to trying to understand the strategy so that we can go ahead and execute the call of God upon our lives. And Lord, we ask that you give us the grace to stay nimble, humble, meek, lowly, so that the Holy Ghost can really, literally, and of course prophetically, overshadow us. So that the power of the highest can rest upon us. So that we can birth the Christ for our generation. Thank you, Father, for answer prayers. We ask that this word is established in our hearts, in all truth and in all righteousness. In Jesus' precious name, we're afraid. Can we celebrate Jesus again this morning? So even though Jesus has come already and he has done his work of saving us, Jesuses are still being born in terms of projects, dreams, ideas, ministries, missions, visions, goals. He wants to birth dreams after his kind. And this is always the protocol of how Jesus is birthed. He'll go to an ordinary person who has an extraordinary attitude. And then allow her to become a portal of access for him to ride into the earth. So become that vessel and the Lord will help your heart. Especially as we go into the year 2023. I really sense that great and massive things will be happening to every single one of us. For as many as are willing to receive. Amen and amen. Let's give our offerings. Wow, what a word. For more messages, connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms at Powerpoint Tribe.